everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson. We are The Last Nighters. You can find us on the Launchpad Media where, there are, where they are always launching new ideas in your direction at thelaunchpadmedia.com. You can also find this show notes and more for this episode 129 of the show, talking about Mrs. Doubtfire at lastnighters.com slash 129. I do want to mention that we have a Patreon, at least for now. We might not have it for much longer. But if you want to support what we do here and get some of the spicy uh, pre-show content that we've had on this show and many others, uh, prior episodes, uh, go to lastnighters.com slash Patreon. And for a couple of dollars coming our way, uh, we will give you pre-show, post-show, you and some live streaming access, as well as special offers that we've been encountering over time uh, that save you time or money. And we get a little bit of uh, kickback, if you will. You know, it, it seems like it should be underhanded and shady, but it's a uh, affiliate commission relationship uh, for things that we like and use already. And so we're only recommending them uh, because we think they might help other people as well. So Hit us up on Patreon, lastnighters.com slash Patreon. Show notes and more for Mrs. Doubtfire at lastnighters.com slash 129. And uh, we're going to be doing some light cooking with our guest tonight. It's the culinary libertarian to discuss the links a father goes to to see his kids amidst a divorce in Mrs. Doubtfire on this Father's Day episode uh, for our show here. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan Reed. You were a previous guest for Ratatouille a couple of years ago. Mm, and yes. Actually, you were my co-host for that one because Robert was ill. I was your co-host for that one, and I remember I spoke much too quickly. Well, you know, you make up, you made up for me because I speak so slowly. It, it drives Robert crazy, uh, and I'm sure most of our listeners. But uh, if you wouldn't mind, Dan, remind people what it is you do. Who are you? What do you do? Where can they find what you do? And um, then we'll get into this movie. All right. <clears throat> well, mostly what I do is blogging and podcasting for the Culinary Libertarian uh, both things are of the same name, and they are at the culinarylibertarian.com. And up to 90 episodes of the podcast so far. If you like baking and cooking, I've got recipes for you. All right. And just to uh, clarify, is it the culinarylibertarian.com? No. Okay. No article, just culinarylibertarian.com. All right. I don't want to confuse people because the launchpadmedia.com is the. The is very important in that one. Yep. All I right. Don't know what will happen if you put the? Probably nothing. You'll get a 404. You know what will happen if you go to conquestofbread.com or theconquestofbread.com? You'll find some Ray Rothbard articles all about anarcho-communism and why it leads to death and starvation. Yeah, so some, Somebody owes you some articles about that, and, and I know who he is, and he, he thinks about that frequently, so I'm told. So, Well, you know, it's we get to it, we get to it. But speaking of getting to it, let's get down to the Google description brought to you okay. by the Urban Carry G3. It's a uh, holster, concealed carry. Just in case you need it, it's uh, comfortable and doesn't print. Unless your pants are really, really tight, then you might need to uh, invest in bigger pants, uh, as I discovered earlier today. But uh, so check it out, lastnighters.com slash G3. So here we go. Mrs. Doubtfire came out in 1993. It's a family comedy film starring the great Robin Williams. It's two hours and five minutes. It got uh, seven out of 10 on IMDb, 71% Rotten Tomatoes, 53% Metacritic. However, 93% of Google users liked it. Uh, the description reads, troubled that he has little access to his children, divorced Daniel Hillard, played by Robin Williams, hatches an elaborate plan. With help from his creative brother, Frank, he dresses as an older British woman and convinces his ex-wife, Miranda, to hire him as, an, as a nanny. Mrs. Doubtfire wins over the children and helps Daniel become a better parent. But when both Daniel and his nanny persona must meet different parties at the same restaurant, his secrets may be exposed. Came out uh, the uh, Thanksgiving weekend of 1993. The director is Chris Columbus. Box office of $441.3 million and won an Academy Award for the best makeup and or hairstyling. Uh, and it also stars um, Pierce Brosnan, the old James Bond, and Sally Field. 
So that is the uh, Google description. We'll go to Robert for his opening information. Mm, I'm going to do it like this. Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine, Sauron, Voldemort, Dracula, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jigsaw, Hannibal Lecter. You know who these people are? I don't know. Who amateurs. Amateurs. They are pretenders to the throne. These movie monsters and villains at least had some level of human emotion, humanity, some level of sympathy. In the pantheon of cinema, I would like to add in the king or the queen of villainy, Miranda Hillard. In this movie, it's not a comedy. This is a horror film. <laughs> this woman creature wears the skin of a human being and yet sits next to this wonderful man, this man that all he loves doing is being a father to these great kids. And yeah, he's got a few issues. He's not the best provider, whatever. He's got some principles. He doesn't like it when you sell cigarettes to kids. So he gets fired sometimes. But this great man... She'll sit next to him in a divorce court and not even counter the judge when he's like, oh, this guy, he's terrible. He should only get to see his kid one time a week and then it's supervised and whatever. And she'll just sit there and go, yep, that's what he deserves. This woman is all those villains combined. She is the height of evil. And she's just this uh, normal human woman in this comedy film. And it's it just, it was incredible. It was incredible to watch. Um, how they tried to humanize her as like this mom character when she's doing these horrifically inhuman things to uh, Robin Williams in this film, Daniel. Well, that's uh, that's quite the quite the open. I didn't expect you to go that direction. And when you were leading no. up to that, I thought you were going to go with the judge because the judge oh, no. held all this power over the situation, uh, almost like a godlike power about whether he could see his kids or not. And I thought that that was like the face of evil when I was watching it. Oh, definitely. He's evil for sure. And he's the, the state personified and he's the actor and the, the boots on the ground uh, thug in this case, who is violently separating the, the people. But for this uh, lizard creature in a human skin suit to just sit there knowing that he's this incredible father, that all he wants to do, he lives and breathes his kids and to care for them and to raise them well and make sure they're enjoying life and go, yeah, he doesn't deserve to see his kids. I'm just going to rip his kids away from him because he has a little bit of trouble. His, his apartment isn't as nice as mine or as nice as the house or whatever. Oh, he's got some older lady living with him. I mean, what, what are these complaints that she has about him? That he's, I mean, nothing, like nothing compared to like an actual father that you wouldn't want around your ch kids. The state, they provide zero case other than that he has a hard time. You know, he doesn't make a ton of money or whatever. Meanwhile, he's living in San Francisco, like one of the hardest places to live in the world. Anyway. All She's right. a horrible person. Horrible. <clears throat> quite the open, quite the open. So, uh, Dan, Dan Reed, do you have a response to that? And and just in general, the uh, you know you're open for this in the Google description, and perhaps why we're here uh, talking about this today. Well, we're talking about it because it's Father's Day, but I have to, and I, I usually expect Robert to have a different opinion than I do about the films. This I, this was not what I expected. Um, I understand. Miranda is just trying to hold all of this together. And Robin is the one who, from a rules, so we have the, um, Miranda is the rule, and we have the judge who is the state and the, and the ruler. So we've got these two competing issues, and Robin's just actually violating both. The rules of Miranda, because she said plainly, I make the rules and you break them. 
and she's left to clean up the mess. Now, now the, the judge, as the state making being the ruler, I think there's an argument to be made that, I don't know how it would look, but a, uh, a private entity could manage these kinds of affairs much better. And certainly everyone's going to agree that taking children away from a parent, this parent, was, a, I mean, they need to make a movie. But it's a harsher sentence than is necessary. But if they don't do it, they haven't got a film. So part of part of the things that are happening in the show and the movie are, are devices to move the movie along to get to the end. And I recognize part of that. But at the same time, there is a discussion to be had about how much power does the state deserve, <laughs> somewhere between 0 and 100%, for managing family affairs. Yeah, we did an episode not too long ago called Instant Family, a movie called Instant Family with uh, Rachel from Cannabis Seals Me. And we got into a lot of these... Uh, nitpicky issues with with the courts and the adoption process. And it seems to have a similar situation here. I do like at least that they brought up the concept. The judge even said it early in the film that normally we decide for the women just predominantly. And maybe that's an issue. Maybe that's a problem. And I'm kind of surprised that that was like even brought up or even mentioned because I think it is an issue and it is like a very predominant thing. And it's not viewed as an issue. I think it's just viewed as what happens normally. But uh to Robert, your point, yeah, this is a very loving father who dotes on these kids and really does wish the best for them and spends as much time as possible with them. Um, but he also is a guy who is like a man child. Like he is basically one of the kids. He's just like the lead kid of the, of the kid gang. And I can see how as their marriage grew apart because she was no longer wanting to have this fun uh man-child in her later life. So no, I can see why she was unsatisfied with the marriage. But I, to your point, yeah, she went too far in not pushing back on um, how much time the uh, Robin Williams could spend with the kids. Robert, you're taking She was that. absolutely quiet and silent about that. And you know it. She didn't mumble a peep in his defense at the either of the trial sessions. Now, the fact that She's the, the idea- She's not for his defense. Right, I understand. But so why you have an expectation that so she has a shred of humanity? What? Yes, I do have an expectation that she has a shred of humanity in her. Right. <laughs> that she has a sense of fairness. Not that she's just like, I deserve these kids all the time and they shouldn't even see their father. What kind of inhuman monster has babies with a guy and raises them for 14 years and he's been nothing but a loving father the whole time? Even if he's got his faults and maybe their relationship isn't perfect but he's been nothing but a loving doting father the whole time and goes, this guy doesn't deserve this as kids. Maybe his one supervised vision was once a week. Her. She admitted when she was bearing her soul to Mrs. Doubtfire that in the beginning, the, the humor and the spontaneity was great. But as she grew in her career and in her adulthood and in the, into parenthood, he didn't. And so he took on the other role. She was the absolute rule maker. Yes, I understand. I agree with that. But I don't see that as him being a man child. That he took on a different tact with his parenting, for sure. He was the fun, he was the loving, yeah, the caregiver type person, and she was the more stern rule maker. That person. That he wasn't a good father. Her complaint was that he wasn't a good husband. Right. And after right. But how does years, how does the how does a bad husband, but a great father, deserve to not see his kids? Well, your deserve is an, a, a curious word choice. I can't answer that question. I don't know about deserve because that's not a decision that I can make for somebody else. 
Uh, one of your questions was, how can this person after 14 years sit at that table in the courtroom and not say a word? And I'm, my answer is, this is a woman after 14 years of absolutely over it, doesn't want another day of the same. She's looking for something that's some kind of a resolution. So why doesn't she speak up? Because she needs to go on. Interesting that Dan and Daniel would both choose to defend Adolf Hitler in this situation. Interesting. Okay. No, this <laughs> so is good. what I'm hearing is, of the three of mm -hmm. us, you're the one without a wife and kids. This is also true. Oh, oh burn. Deep burn. Double N burn. Well, yeah. Yeah. there's... If, you, if you've never, whatever you haven't ever done, you can have an opinion. And Robert's got good opinions. But there is an experience base denied that opinion. So there's information that can't be had because you haven't had it. All right. So you're saying my lack of experience affects my morality judgment. I'm not saying it's a morality judgment. I'm saying not having kids in the house for 14 years has denied you what that feels like. For so you're defending her by saying that she's had 14 years of experience with this guy so even though he's a great father, he doesn't deserve to see his kid. Is this your argument? No, my argument is not that he doesn't deserve. I've already spoken that I can't speak to that part. I'm acknowledging her position. I'm not sure I'm defending it, but I'm saying okay. I understand it. Okay, fair enough. But he's also got, his, as the, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm on board with being the fourth child, but I understand where Daniel's coming from with that. But he is not blameless in his behavior. He has refused on some level to acknowledge when it's appropriate to be the fun, go-loving, let's go have a party and dance on the table, Dad, and the stern, you need to go do your homework, and you're not getting a snack, and this is what has to happen. And it took inventing a personality to be the father Miranda wanted from this guy in the first place. So clearly, that ability is there, and as an actor, well, so here's the point. This is the judge's point, and I don't, I can't believe I'm sort of siding with the judge, at least in the argument. I don't like the decision. But if he has the skills of an actor that he has, why did it take this, maybe that's the answer, why did it take this moment to find that acting skill as the solution to being the father Brian wanted? Well, I'm well, hang on now. Let me let me get into word edgewise between <laughs> you two here. Because I am skeptical that 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 Robin Williams's character was just Mr. Happy-go-lucky fun guy the whole time, all 14 years. And then all of a sudden he puts this makeup on and all of a sudden he's just this great father character. Yeah, we, we only see him at the very beginning of the film setting up this party for his kids. And then through hearsay from Bill's character, super villain, that he's always like this, that he's always been like this. But I that is seriously taking this the, the word of Voldemort over that of Harry Potter. And I don't know who you trust in a situation. Clearly you're on the side of Voldemort, which is fair enough. You can take her side, but I would just tend to trust the hero character in this film who is clearly established as a good character over uh, the, the one of the greatest villains of all time. All right. Well, well noted, Robert. Now, if I may, I, I present two arguments to kind of bring this situation together. The first one is that due to the state monopoly of justice and the judge being the arbiter of this and the adversarial process by which these situations are resolved and the before mentioned or aforementioned tendency for the woman to come out ahead, I think that the very nature of that process almost requires that she goes for the jugular. And so she's not going to stand up for him. She's going to go and, and go after the most the strongest position that she can. And so that by its very nature is going to be 
uh, less uh, fair, especially to the father and a good father at that. Um, now, the other side of it is that I think that the Robin Williams character, he is just a big kid and he has been for a long time. He never really grew up per se. He just kind of got older and they grew apart. And so Miranda became less happy in the marriage without any real comment to his fathering abilities. But he also never really developed uh, any of the home making skills like the cooking, cleaning, sewing and whatever. However, when he was faced with this crisis of losing access to his kids, he came up with this plan of dressing as this woman to get close to them. So that's kind of like this um, childish way of going about it. But in that process, he began to work on himself to acquire the skills and demonstrate his responsibility. He took initiative and he learned how to better interact with the kids, how to help develop them further, how to do those necessary things that maybe he perhaps should have picked up earlier. And though it was too late to save the marriage, he ended up being a better man by the end of this. And uh, so I think that that's kind of the explanation for why uh, she was not standing up for him and also why he hadn't developed these skills previously, because he was just unaware that there was really a problem. And it was only once this crisis had built up to this boiling point to where Miranda was just done that he finally had to confront the situation and uh, try to come up with a solution. And they made a goofy movie out of it. Though I, I got to add, um, and my wife thought the same thing, like when we were watching this the other night, we're like, this is not how I remember watching it like 20 years ago. This movie seems totally different because it, uh, it is a lot heavier than my my recollection. My recollection is it's right. like this kind of like family movie kind of comedic happy go lucky but i mean there's some dark shit in well, this because it's robin williams and, and he's funny guy so your your suggestion is that incentives matter prior to prior to the courtroom he was not incentivized to do any of the things that plainly randall wanted perhaps they were not poorly perhaps sorry perhaps they were not articulated well we don't know that now there's because this is a movie because it is a forced viewpoint the things that we don't know are what are the bad parts of daniel's character and what are the, what are the good parts yes robert she has good parts what are the good parts of miranda's character she's she's by she's keeping rent in the house or paying on the house she's providing a place for the kids to live and she's providing food for the kids to eat do you do you, do you hitler liked animals that? he was vegetarian too so you know he's a good guy I'm sorry what was that Hitler was a vegetarian and he liked was, animals. So I'm sure he was he drank good water too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Literally. Literally. No, but I think, but I think you find no redeeming traits of Miranda, even in doing the basics. There's no excuse. Tending to the children. You think she was doing what was best for the children when she I said that she was basics. Even I'm giving I'm, I'm finding the, the lowest common, the lowest possible place that you can say she was doing something good. By well, she keeping the kids off the streets and keeping them fed. She well, wasn't she didn't, after that point. But I think Robert's point is like once she decided to dissolve the marriage, then she went for the jugular and went um, and just trashed Robin Williams. Okay. Well, that, if, if, if Robert is at your point. I think that once she decided to end the marriage, yeah, she went full scorched earth and decided that he had no place in their lives. And that is absolutely unconscious. The fact that this great man who obviously loves his kids so much lives and breathes these kids would be expelled from their lives forcefully when she has all the power in the world to change that at any time. Knowing okay. their relationship, knowing that the kids love him, knowing that he's an important part in their lives and their development. 
and to remove him from that equation. That is an unconscionable. I and if 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 that's your position, then that's the position I can say I agree with you. I can I am I concur with that position. Okay. I'm not. I'm. I mean, she wasn't murdering everybody in the movie. That's a good thing. She wasn't no, outside at like a park. She wasn't outside at a park during a pandemic. It's true. Taking down statues. So she's you know technically human, but you know no, I I, I think she's an absolute horror villain in this movie. Do you, do you think, think in the progression of the movie? So Daniel Robin Williams' character finds skills and abilities he's lacking through this persona of Mrs. Doubtfire. Do you think also that Miranda finds some humanity in herself by the end of the movie? There is a confrontation at the end after she sees him on television and sees that, you know, they watch the show every day and they love him and they think he's she's he's hilarious and whatever. She finally ponies up the courage to, you know, confront him and say that she's made a mistake. And Robin Williams has this incredible, absolutely on point line where he's talking about how could she? She didn't say anything when the judge handed down that terrible sentence. Right. When she knew, she absolutely knew the the facts to be otherwise, that he absolutely deserves to see his kids all the time. Now you're talking about Robert, the 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 second courtroom scene where he gives this very heartfelt speech, Ron Williams does, about how he lives and breathes his kids, he's addicted no. to his kids. And no, how I'm talking about the, the confrontation at the end when at she the sees them at the, at the movie after after Right, but but this is after that second court scene. Correct. Yes. Where the judge is like, you know, I've seen some great actors, and that was right. That was and a great she speech. Doesn't and I don't counteract that. She doesn't right, go. She doesn't go. No, that's not an act. He's absolutely. He loves his kids. Right. He's absolutely right. that person. And the judge is like, no, I think he's just a really good actor. She didn't say shit. Right. And fuck I fuck her. What I mean in the first courtroom scene where he got just the like limited visitation, the once a week or or was it twice a week? Whatever it was, it was very limited. It wasn't supervised, but um. I think she just went with that one because that's what the judge threw out there because he didn't have an established residence and, and the job or whatever. And then they were going to revisit it in 90 days. And upon the revisit, then I totally agree with you. She knew materially that what he said was true and the judge didn't believe it, thought he was just being an actor. And that's, that was her, that was her huge like faux pas. Now, are you, are you making the Seinfeldian argument that she had a duty to correct that? Because it's not like a Good Samaritan situation where it's some stranger who needs help. This is actually like someone you're in an adversarial she had relationship. A human, she had a human obligation. Yeah. You know, for the best. To be a the, human being. The, to be a basic best. human being. Right. And, and for the best for the kids, right? Absolutely. Yeah. To be a mother. The, the second courtroom scene was supposed to be 90 days and it came on 60 days. And I didn't get a satisfactory explanation on why they didn't go the full 90 days. Because of the restaurant reveal that the father that Daniel had been pretend, pretending to be someone else to be close to the kids. But that, that's the restaurant doesn't have an issue in that. So how did, who made, who was the complainant? It had to have been Miranda. Had to be Miranda. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> they, they, they make allusions to that. They're like, yeah, you did all these actions recently where you pretended to be someone else. You defrauded or whatever, you know, and you defied the court order limiting how much access you had to the kids, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that brought up an, an earlier, you know, confrontation of the trial or not a trial, but whatever the court proceeding is. So, yeah. And so, and I'd be mad too, if, if this ridiculous scenario of somebody dressed up as someone else and they were, you know, not supposed to be there. Yeah. I'd be a bit miffed as well. Um, Oh, would you, Daniel, would you be upset? You don't think, you don't think if you were in Robin Williams character shoes, you would be upset. You'd think it'd be totally fine. Well, he was obviously upset as well. Did he Uh, have cause to be upset? Daniel, was he justified? Probably. 
because he, he wanted to like offer his services to spend time with the kids instead of her hiring the nanny. Now, what did you think of him changing the number and then like creating oh. all these fake calls to sure. to poison the well of that looking for another nanny? There was a couple of situations where I, you know, it's it's not obviously an app violation, but there were a couple of things that he did. Changing the name, uh, the numbers was one of them. But a few of the things that really make you could say, I understand the desperation of a father wanting to do this, but there's some sort of shady behavior there. And that he is the victim of an immoral act. He is not the moral actor in this situation. He has been forced by the so, state against his will to not be able to see his own children, his own progeny. He is not the moral actor. I'm not saying I'm giving him carte blanche to murder people. Oh, but these so little up until that, transgressions fine. and frauds, you can go I do have the, like zero problem with. You know, Tanya Hardy and Nancy Carrick, and that's fine. But murder is out of the question. <laughs> I'm not saying that he should get physical with anybody, but I saw him as the hero character the entire time. I'm not saying he is, the hero is a flawless person. See, that was, that was he was absolutely. I think he's not always the hero, and there so so the. Uh oh. Well, you know, we were just not. He, we don't want to hear his argument. <laughs> That's kidding. Hopefully he'll join us uh, back and, and finish making his point. All right. Yes. I think he is back in the game. All right. All right. Hey. Not the hero, but. the By changing the phone number. Now, granted, he's depriving somebody of possibility of earning an income for the family. Now, granted, what we're shown is people you wouldn't want to hire no matter what. But that's not really the issue. The issue is he's, he's, he's forging something. Now, we don't want what the block here telling us that forgery. Yeah, forgery is great. We love forgery. There's an issue here. He's causing somebody possibly some harm and not get, by possibly not getting a job. That's not, I can't show you literally, literally, wow, I can't even say it, that that's the case. But I, well, I, I, I'm with you on the fraud aspect, but I'm not saying, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you that someone is owed a possible job or anything like that with, like he's not interfering with anybody's ability to get a job. He wants to give somebody money. She's in she wants to give somebody money, yes, but that's not to say that she would have hired any of those people. True. Well, what people are you guys even talking about? All the, the phone people calls. that otherwise would have called. Right, but we don't know who those people are, other right. than we get. No, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't reveal at the end of like some applicants who all get crossed off the list. Right. So I'm. Oh, I'm she, they have high. I, high have the, I, I can't show actual harm to somebody, but the possibility has been established that. Somebody isn't getting a job because of his action. Right, but nobody's owed a job either. I didn't. Yeah, I, I okay. agree with that. All right. So, what is speaking of this whole elaborate plan of changing the the phone number and then making these phone calls, pretending to be applicants and just being like terrible applicants? Right. When he makes that go in for the kill call as Mrs. Doubtfire, he's got this whole elaborate plan, this whole thing figured out. Now he's kind of winging it, but yeah. Then she asks, "Well, what's your name?" He's like. I didn't give you the name? Yeah, that was kind of stupid. Who makes an elaborate plan and doesn't have a name for it? Now, this is the exact opposite of me. I come up with great names for websites, for concepts, for ideas. The, the rest of it, the rest of the plan just doesn't, right. yeah, That's true. doesn't work out. But yeah. like, how do you how do you have this whole elaborate thing? And then and then you're like looking at a newspaper. Oh, uh, uh, fireman put out fire. Oh, Doubtfire. Mr. Doubtfire. Dude, he's flying by the seat of his pants, man. He doesn't even get the costume and or the face thing until after he gets the job. Or goes after he gets the after the phone call. Right. Right. He goes to the interview. And just so. you know, conveniently his his brother in law or brother, his it's his actual brother, right? And it happened to be a Hollywood makeup yeah. artist. Yeah, in San Francisco, for some reason. 
it's convenient. You know, it's got to work for the plot. Yeah. Well, I think some of the things that are presented, like not having the whole costume or going through the progressions until finally, I have plaster. So I think part of that is just devices for the movie. Partly yeah. because you've got Robin Williams and you yeah. have a chance to do all of these things that someone going to a Robin Williams film is going to want to see. They're going to want to see, they're going to see his spontaneity and his, the guy you know, sing, the music, the whole, the, the whole thing, the whole Miguel, we got to see it all. So you got to see so, his uh, Barbara Streisand. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm and just, because I was curious about it when Columbus was filming, instead of having one camera, they would. They had like two lines set for the scenes. But they had three or four cameras rolling all the time, and then Robin would do these are the two written scenes, and then just shoom, go and and <laughs> kind of like in um, the Billy Crystal scene in Princess Bride, where they just let Billy Crystal go, and Rob Reiner was holding his gut so hard he broke a rib trying not to make noise laughing because Billy Crystal was just. Bam, bam, bam. Well, you know, when you get Robin Williams in front of a camera, <laughs> you, you better be ready for a long take. Yeah, I think they also did a similar thing with um, his genie character in Aladdin, where yes. he just recorded him and then they just animated him afterwards. After All right, you go. We're gonna, we'll get you. I got to get a coffee. We'll be back. So, but that's so there were a few moments when I was, when I, when I was taken out of the movie because something was preposterous. The, Truck running over the mask was one of those. It's like, come on, stop it! But I recognize that this is a this is a device to move the plot along. You've got to have some tension in place, even though it's ridiculous. I can forgive those things because I know what's going on. Yeah, and, and that's that, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, they wanted to like show all, showcase all of Robin Williams' like ad libbing and and his like impressions and singing and whatnot. But very good within the constraints of the movie, he had already established that he is some Scottish slash English lady of the house or whatever yeah. nanny and then and then he dresses up as streisand or as this cuban woman or as you know whatever else it's like no that doesn't fit with the story you just started telling me you know so if they had fit in him trying on the different uh, outfits and the different characters um before he established that call with miranda that he's gonna be this oh, british woman yes right. yes it would have made yeah. so much more sense yeah, no, that was weird. Like you're trying to, you're going with this old British nanny voice and then you're dressing up as these other characters that aren't an old British nanny lady. Yeah, it, it makes no sense other than to showcase Robin Williams and his craziness. Yeah, and all you had to do is move that ahead somehow, you know, hmm. like, hey, I got this wild idea. I I need to be a woman, you know, I need to I need to cross dress or whatever. We're speaking of, there were so many instances in this film where I'm like, holy crap. You could not this- make this movie today. Yeah, how is this not shut down? How did they not go back into the Twitter feed from this 1993? This should be canceled. Yeah, I know. This movie is so transphobic. Like when, when he's when he's calling her and he's like, oh, I used to be a, a man or whatever. And she's like, oh. Right, yeah. Actually Remember? having people that's like- That's another reason why she's evil. She's she's transphobic. Uh, I You know, I, I have to admit that is, I completely ignored that possibility. But that's true. I It just, that's a whole storyline that I, I bought yeah, it man. entirely because it's San Francisco. So- yeah, you should be totally used to it. And then his son is completely freaked out by uh, his nanny having a penis. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's a fairly reasonable response from, what, 12, 13, 14-year-old, or maybe even older. I mean, you see that's, now, you Do know. you think that this movie just um, hasn't hit that point because it's not like a movie that people go back to? Like, like I had said earlier, I haven't seen this in like 20 years, and it's way different than I remember from the 20-year prior viewing, where it was like more of a kid movie. It was like cutesy or whatever. 
But because people don't really have a reason to go back and watch this, maybe that's why we haven't seen any recent outrage because this generation of people has no reason to go back and watch this movie. I, well, I mean, they're making Gone with the Wind even longer for some reason now. I thought like they made it gone. It's already from, like five uh, hours long or something. You, know and you almost you already know. want to shoot yourself in the face when you're watching that thing. And now they're like adding on a, a what is it? Like a disclaimer at the beginning of it? Oh, it's, uh, yeah, something. I don't know what it is. I thought that it was gone from HBO Max. I, no, I they're just they adding a disclaimer it. to it. Like this uh, is depicting slaves, ex-slaves being okay with their ex-slavery or something. Yeah. You know, okay. the... So Robin did also was the La Caja Falls, something like that, with uh, Nathan Lane. The Birdcage, yeah. The Birdcage. And so there's he says, at least he has more than one. So it's hard to it's, it's hard to get mad at him for that. But the other thing is he killed himself. So we there's there's an actor that probably was universally loved in Hollywood who for I was actually emotions shot with the office, I was kind of mad at him for a long time. For doing that, but with, with, with knowing nothing about what caused that, just depriving me of himself mm-hmm. made me mad. Yeah, yeah, I remember when that happened, and uh, Steph Molyneux came out with a video talking about how he had um, a bunch of previous marriages and children, and that because of that and the divorces that resulted, it's almost like he actually lived this movie in a way. Yeah. But he has he was paying so much every month, and he had to keep working to try to like mm-hmm. come up with the money that was judged the judgment against him. Yeah. And his uh, work was waning, like his bankability as a star was going down, but all of the amounts he was required to pay was based on like back when he was a bankable star. Oh, man. And, and so that was like all this added pressure on him. And, and then uh, there also the the drug issue, like he used to take a lot of cocaine and whatever to get up for his crazy yeah. movies and whatever and be up for it all the time. And that was just like a real roller coaster for him to deal with. Yeah, he had a big alcohol thing too. Um, there's a documentary, I think it's on HBO, I think it's called Come Inside My Mind, which documents, you know, his rise to stardom, hanging out on the Sunset Strip with like uh, John Belushi and and that uh, crowd. And and he was actually with Belushi the night that he died. Um, And then the the different, you know, issues of alcohol and cocaine that he went through as he became a rising star and and all these things. It's really quite fascinating. But he he is a very quick witted guy. um, And he riffed a whole bunch. Even in this film, they said that they made, I think, four different um rating cuts of the film g pg pg 13 r and like nc17 because some of the stuff he riffed was so like out there (laughs) and and they you know and they had i want to see those cuts man i know right i want to see the special (laughs) edition the nc17 you know where rob was just saying the nastiest shit hell yeah no he's uh, i mean he's obviously an amazing talent and he will be missed and he's i I don't know if there's gonna be another person like him that could replace him he is a one on one of a kind i don't I don't think there is, and, and so the the point now is so you've you've got he's he's got these two movies, and he's got an uh, an accepted irreverence for everything. So he gets a pass, and then you know the the suicide gives him just you you can't how what kind of a pig do you have to be to criticize him now in this movie? But yeah, you're right. There's no way this movie gets touched today. <laughs> you just you. I, it would have to be everything would have to be changed. So yeah, coming after you know, Robin Williams, talking shit about Robin Williams now, a, a it really makes you look like an asshole. Lesbian couple, she comes in as a man, and it just that's the only way you could do it. But yeah, they, they were gonna. Um, they had talked about doing a sequel for a long time. Yeah, it was starting to come together, and then and then the suicide happened, and obviously that put an end to it. But uh, yeah, so we've got uh, you know ten or fifteen minutes left of uh show time here so are there any notes that either of you guys have or other any other 
discussion points that we can kind of jump off of. Um, I, I have one, and that was where the five-year-old kid repeats back to Miranda what <laughs> what he had said, um, and and she took everything super literally. Like, why would you want mommy to die? Because kids are very very literal. Five-year-old's going to do that. Yeah, and and what other you know choice words do you want to teach our five-year-old? Well, I'll tell you, my almost five and almost seven-year-old, they say some things that um, might not be safe for <laughs> other children to hear. Other children are traditional uh, traditional company. But like when, when one of my friends was visiting recently, my five-year-old said, yeah, we can't go anywhere because the government lied about the flu virus. <laughs> yeah, that is what's keeping people at home. Uh, yeah, don't take her out. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not saying the flu or the COVID thing isn't a real thing. I'm just saying that it's over dramatized and made into a bigger deal than it really is. And my stance has been that the uh, number of cases will increase and the fatality rate by, um, you know, the denominator of that will make it be a much smaller death rate than we were told would be for months and then thus necessitated the totalitarian lockdowns. And so, yeah, we talked about it with the kids. <laughs> Not naturally comes up, I'm sure. Why can't go outside? Um, the oldest, when, when Mrs. Doubtfire is making them do chores, and the oldest says, this is exploitation. Uh, oh, man. And even back then, they couldn't help themselves. And then there was also a few moments of just global wacko. And I forgot what there was some... There was something about that, but it just sort of stood out. One thing I noticed was at the very end of the film when they're in the restaurant and they asked to be in the smoking or the non-smoking section. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They used to be smoking in non-smoking sections in restaurants back when, you know, the free market was allowed to operate and there wasn't the government interference forcing everybody to be non-smoking. But back in the day, you could actually accommodate to different customers. Huh. That's kind of no. funny. It never really worked. If you were ever in a restaurant, they had them both. You couldn't be far enough away from smoking to not it smell. was you're right it was smoking and less smoking it's true but, yeah. <laughs> but still you wouldn't be able to have this uh contrivance at the end of this film where he has to go between the smoking and the non-smoking so you, you could probably have it be just in one end of the section of the restaurant and the other but yeah. my five-year-old because we rented we we, we, uh, we rented it through whatever it was no she's not five she's eight um i think i remember the first time seeing it when they were at the bridges restaurant and he has to go between characters, go between dinner guests. I think I probably thought that was funny. This time, I was aggravated. It was so, yes, the vehicle device to move the movie along, but it's, come on. It was so stupid, I couldn't, I had, I got up half a dozen times to go get chips or peanuts or fill up my water. My eight-year-old thought the whole thing was fantastic. Well, what made me mad was the fact that there was only a men's room and a women's room. How bigoted was this <laughs> restaurant owner to not have a trans man, trans pretending to be a woman restroom? I mean, this is ridiculous. And San Francisco, even. Yeah, unbelievable. And you know, so behind the, the bigotry. Times, they had restrooms at all. Just go out in the street. Come on. Or unisex. Come on. What's going on here? Unbelievable. I did like his one line where he said, uh, and this is probably ad libbed. He said, um, "Honesty is a quality soon lost, uh, especially upon entering politics." Yeah, it was funny. Indeed, mm -hmm. it probably was, and I. It, it's hard, it's hard to know what the script really was because he's just, <clears throat> if you, we, we talked about letting him go. And in the last week of the Johnny Carson show, Robin and Jonathan Winters, <laughs> they just run together and Johnny is just like, whatever. And those two just riffed back and forth and back and forth. And it was 
it was some it just it's amazing to watch those two work because Jonathan Winters also had that same very very quick mind and to go from voice to voice to voice and character to character and the two of them together my god it's go find it it's on YouTube it's fantastic okay yeah assuming it hasn't been uh, deplatformed I will find Make that and put it on the show yeah, notes page uh, which will be what lastnighters.com slash one twenty nine we're also going to have links to your culinary libertarian website Ooh. your prior appearance for Ratatouille. Uh -huh. and uh, any other stuff that we've uh, kind of stumbled across in this somewhat meandering conversation that we should start to um, close out how we do, Robert. Unless you guys mm. have any final final notes, um, Robert, you can lead us off with your final summary review and scoring system, however you want to do. And, you know, I, I feel bad because we've hardly talked about cooking at all. Mm. Uh, we we got to mention that scene. Right. We were going to, we talked, we previewed it a little bit in the pre-show, but we got to, yeah. we got to talk to Dan about, we can't have Dan on and not talk about the ridiculous cooking scene. Well, ridiculous is right. So when, when, when that scene opened and he's, you know, he's got his rubber latex bra on. So there's a, I presume it was potatoes in the front, just boiling like crazy. There's a pot in the back boiling. There's a skillet with something in it that's smoking. And he's finding, finding, finding. And then to find a pinch of basil, oh, shut up, stop it. Then, bloop, of course, the top comes off and all the basil goes on the thing. It's already charred. It's already trashed. Save the money. But the thing, that's fine. You got boiling stuff, overflowing, manager heat. Boiling hollandaise, that's not a thing. Hollandaise isn't a boiled sauce. And I, that, it's like, oh, stop it. This is just too stupid. And then, of course, clothing catches on fire and all those distractions. And then how does Miranda not smell the smoke? How does the smoke go away? I've burnt stuff before. It doesn't just oof, go away. This is the cooking scene irritated me tremendously. Yeah. Like I said in the pre-show, it was like the those terrible infomercials where people are struggling to do basic tasks. Like even yeah. if you're bad at cooking, you don't just have a million things boiling out of control in front no. of you with everything turned on blast. It's super easy to just dial it down a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but I've stuff boil over still. I mean, you got to like remove not it when you're sitting the there heat. watching it. I mean, I when I've left the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's boiling now. OK, but yeah, and well, I do love those infomercials where they're like trying to hammer like products. you can watch them and that there's enzymes in dairy that you'll sit there and blah, 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 blah. And then in no kidding, in seconds, it goes from low to over the edge. You got to be there. But that stuff is just like, yeah, I just made dinner like four different dishes and none of that happened. But. You didn't catch your bosom on fire? You didn't catch uh, the hot flashes your first day as a woman here? Well, I think I'm bald. No, I did not. <laughs> and All what's right. up with the uh, the barnyard animals not being allowed in a residential area that's illegal or something in the Yeah, that was, that was a noise ordinance. The cops noise, was, ordinance. noise ordinance, and there was something else. Yeah, is uh, the illegal uh, barnyard animals or something. Some kind yeah, of and that was uh, that, that seemed to be a fairly useless scene. She can be mad enough because the... The goat ate the begonias, and there's probably animal poop all over the place. We don't need a cop there saying this noise ordinance. Yeah. I think it adds to the gravity of the situation. Mm. Now you got the cops coming to my house, Robin Williams? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I accept that. Yeah, but you, what do you think the onus would be on the provider of the zoo animals or farm animals to be aware of it's like I'm where it's permitted and where it's not? <laughs> yeah, as a, as a customer, you don't know all the ins and outs of the no, law. But but... He should, he's doing business in San Francisco. He should know that. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of stupid. Yeah. I'm sorry, sir. I can only deliver them to a farm area or whatever. Well, yeah. I think it would Colin be cool. Still a young director then. So maybe that was the problem. Yeah. We've got some uh, birthdays coming up over uh, on our side here. And seeing that like farm animal thing, we're like, oh, that's a great idea. We should do something you, like that. You, you, how many dogs do you have now? You've got dogs and chickens and what else you got? Snakes, cats, owls, wombats, 
We got it all, man. Mm. We got the one dog, two cats, nine chickens, and then there's bunnies that live under my office that we haven't seen them in a while. Mm. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Could be. Cook Could be. where's my Austin feather? You know, when whenever we um, cook chicken now, uh, my kids go, which one was it? Nice. Awesome. <laughs> Did you like, no. <laughs> this, yeah, they all have names. Oh, uh, well, see, that's a problem. But, you know, we're very careful to be like, no, it's not any of our living chickens. We have those for eggs. This is some chicken we got from the store. And they're like, well, did it did not have a name. It did have a name. They asked that. Like, did it have a name? Oh, no, it was chicken number 4712. It's okay. And this is Purdue. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, now the kids know where food comes from. Uh, So anyway, uh, Robert, if you'd like to kick us off with the old, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I can do my final summary and review. I appreciate the pushback that I got from this uh, episode. Let me know. Let you let you guys know that I was not swayed at one at all by your uh, your arguments. I do appreciate that she's still a human being, um, but I I think her activities in this comedy film are unconscionable. Wait, Uh, you mean shops with a raised fist? Shops with a what? Oh, shops with a fist. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yes, shops with a fist. Pocahontas herself is uh, is a monster, is, is one of the classic movie monster villains. Um, doesn't get enough props in the villain circles. I'm sure she went to eight years of evil medical school. She's just a monster. Um, the film itself, I mean, you can't really go too far wrong. And Chris Columbus, he made those kind of you know, kind of standard stock Hollywood big movies back in the, 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 the late 80s, 90s. You know, they're not like amazing directorial things but he knew what he was doing and he could churn these things out and a lot of people went and watched them and he made movies for big audiences so you can't really fault him for that but um yeah i mean you got the talents of robin williams once in a lifetime talent and uh the script is script is pretty good i mean you don't even really need a whole lot of a script like we were talking about i mean he's just the guy was a monster ad libber um it's it's a tragedy that um you know, he got imposed by the state to have to pay all these ridiculous alimonies and that ultimately probably led to him taking his life. Um, it's just another, you know, uh, state murder, essentially, not necessarily direct state murder, but I'd probably label it close to something like that. Um, uh, the film itself, though, is uh, it's a lot of fun. And I, I think it really had a, we had a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. I, I like it when I take an extreme position and I get a little bit of pushback. So that's a lot of fun for me. So uh, I'm going to give this like a seven. I think it's, it's, it holds up. It doesn't try to do anything special. There's not like special effects that go bad or whatever. There's a little bit of hokiness, but it really features uh, a hero versus a classic movie monster. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. All right. And what's, what's the score on that? Seven. A seven. All right. So, uh, Mr. Reed, the uh, culinary libertarian, now is your turn uh, up to the plate, uh, so to speak. And if if you wouldn't mind, uh, Robert went with uh, a score of out of 10. If you wouldn't mind, like maybe uh, Michelin stars or something <laughs> more along the that's, appropriate, well, you know, culinary three, angle. So that's a lot. It's going to be hard. Um, I think it holds up as a, as a story people recognize. Because this is the thing that happens. Something that people still experience and still go through is human drama. I think um, some of the, the restaurant scene irritated me. The dry bread fruiting, that was funny. Um, the resolution at the end was expected and actually sort of appreciated. But looking at it now as a husband and a father, it doesn't 
the entertainment value was gone from when I saw it back in the 90s when I had none. So I, I was thinking somewhere between seven and eight, but since I'm asking for S for Michelin, I'll give it uh, two and a quarter stars. All right, and just just for the folks at home, rating a Michelin star is a is a grade of restaurant, right? Yes. And it's out of how many stars total? Three. Oh, three is the max. Okay. Three max. Okay. And I think that Michelin stars were featured in um, Ratatouille, which was your prior appearance on the show, because they, they lost probably, one of the stars. Because Keller was involved in that, and they would have done that. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for 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 uh, indulging me on your uh, rating system there. Appreciate it. You're welcome. So uh, this movie was way different than I remembered. Um, I remembered it being this lighthearted comedy film and we watch it again and and it's like got some dark stuff and it's some like to robert's point it's very evil stuff going on with miranda and also with the state and the judge just being godlike and determining who can see their kids and when and how often and all of these things and it just showcases how awful that that scenario must be especially with a father who's um obviously very caring for the kids not abusive I know that there are bad situations that happen and unfortunately we're stuck with the system that we have today. Uh, and so it makes sense that it would kind of sway a certain direction that it, that it does, but it doesn't make it any like more palatable to see it, especially in this movie, a, a, a good dad get uh, just boxed out of being able to be with his own kids so much so that he has to take on this cross-dressing persona and present himself as something that he is not someone he is not. Uh, though he does grow in that process and uh, figure out a way to, against all odds, still be able to see his kids and be with them. And it, of course, resolves fairly well at the end. Um, in fact, the original script, I was reading that they don't have uh, Miranda and Daniel get back together. And they um, didn't like that ending. So they fired the, the, the writer and had it rewritten to where it resolves at the end where they do get back together. And then they changed their mind and went back to the original where they don't get back together, which I think is the appropriate one, uh, because that's probably more uh, realistic or what would happen in real life. I think once sort of like you're done. Oh, no, he's too good for her. Yeah. And once you're kind of done in a relationship, either. it's real hard to go back. Oh, yeah. You know? After well, someone does that, something like that to you, why? What? you'd never get an erection again in that bed. Well, there's not, There's the, the going back part. That's why this. That's why we're in the courtroom in the first place. There's There's what was there doesn't exist. There's nothing to go back to. It's just not there. My being the kid from a parent that got divorced, that's the right, that ending is the right ending. A, I'm happy there's a civility. Sometimes I think that may not be true. I don't, like for me, that was the case, but there, there is a difference. These two people, they, they, they need to be away, but the, the kids are the thing that both parents still love, and that's clearly the case in the movie. Whether, even though she's Voldemort, she does care for her kids. Kids, So there's a, the ending's the right ending, and it doesn't change my score, but it's at least, it gives a plausible resolution to a complicated problem. Yeah, I agree. And, and just my score is a, is a black and gold uh, for the movie, so it's still a wow. good movie. Like, kind of a tepid movie. It's not like... Wow, that's a long time ago. Good God. Hey, I, I'm bringing it back. It's bringing it back into fashion. Um, now, Robert, does does uh, she redeem herself at all at the end where she changes her mind and has the judge change the order to where Daniel can now spend time with the kids, even though the marriage is dissolved? Well, uh, she 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 finds a little bit of her humanity that she had lost. Yes. Does that redeem her character? I'll leave that for you to decide. I would 
I would not want to be associated with this person. I mean, I'm not saying that she's irredeemable, but in this film, she's absolutely the villain. Um, if I was him, I would never want to be in any kind of intimate situation with her ever again. I mean, I would, she's, she would, she would just total boner killer. I don't know what to say. She's just a, <laughs> but she's, total boner killer. she's a yeah. monster. You don't want to have sex with a T-Rex. Well, I'm not saying that they get back together. I'm saying like the res resolution at the end where he can be with the kids for, you know, X amount of time per day, but they're still divorced and they're not going to have to spend some time together. I think that was an appropriate resolution. And it was her changing right. the judge's order by going back and saying, you know, he is actually redeemed or redeemable or he's a right. good dad but what, whatever. What's that change in her? Her seeing him on television and seeing the kids enjoy him on television? She saw him and the kids enjoy each other all the time for 14 years. This wasn't new information for her. What what caused this change in her character? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And and to, to your other point, though, um, he realizes it's done and he does want to keep that arm's length with her. At the very end, she invites him in to wait for them or yeah. whatever. And he's like, no, yeah. I'll wait he's outside. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. She I thought that was, a, that was a strong move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I don't I don't have... Robert, an answer to your question, and I certainly don't think I have one that's going to appease you, but I think mm -hmm. there's the time of familiarity with Mrs. Doubtfire now being a character on TV where it's not just her, it's, some, it's something for everybody. It's not just her thing anymore. And that there is an appeal to this character as a consistent character, and the kids still like it. I think there's, I think the, the time span, whatever that is, we don't, we're not told, is softens her enough to let to go to the judge and say, you know, we don't see that part either. We assume that that's what happened, but it had to have been. And she gets the judge to say, all right, fine, have it your way, and we'll do this. Right. I assume that's also what happened. But I don't necessarily buy, I don't think the movie gave us enough to have her do her turn. Okay. I, I, just, no, I, did, I just didn't see it. Yeah. She Fair. saw that. It, it wasn't like all of a sudden he changed. And, oh, she saw no, him in a new I, light. That was not the case point, in this film. That wasn't the purpose of the movie. The purpose of the movie was to give Robin Williams a chance to shine and to have this resolution at the end. And yes, she still is a bit of the monster. And but that she didn't get the opportunity to have the arc that Daniel did. Right. It wasn't her movie. It's true. She is the alien queen, and he is Ripley with the the the, the power loader. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a movie to get Robin Williams on screen for you know. An hour and a half out of two hours, or maybe even more. I mean, he's he's in every scene. He's so, in a lot. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, overall, good movie and and also a very good discussion. I do like it when Robert has a strong position and gets a little pushback. I think he <laughs> likes that too. I do. And uh, speaking of hot flashes, uh, we're going to be doing uh, we're going to turn up the heat a little bit on this next week with Heat with Mike oh, C. Man. He loves to do the Michael Mann movies, so we'll be doing that next week. And um, Dan Reed, uh, remind everyone where they can find your work, and uh, hopefully you can stick around for a little bit longer. We do Kathleen Turner Overdrive available for our Patreon supporters, pre-show bonus content and all that, uh, and post-show content called Kathleen Turner Overdrive. But where can people find culinarylibertarian.com? That's the that's the right place? That's the right place, and on the banner you can find all of the podcasts on the podcast page. There's, uh, there's a series of spice articles with some uh, most of them have recipes, but good information about the variety of spices, uh, oh, recipes, 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 loads of recipes. Um, so a pitch for myself, anybody can make a list of ingredients. That's easy to do. The hard thing to do 
where success is found or not found is just like in their character, <clears throat> the procedure. So one of the things I want people to do when they cook is I want you to win. I want you to make the thing well that you did a good job. And that comes in giving the procedure on how to make the thing. And most cookbooks don't do a good job with it. I think I bridged that gap for success because that's really the thing that matters is I want you to do well and eat good food. All right. Very good. And uh, thank you again for being our guest. You were also on for Ratatouille. We'll have that on the show notes page, lessonnerds.com slash 129. And Robert, while I roll the Patreons down in the lower panel here on the YouTube video, why don't you remind people what they can do to support us here at this here show before we get into the Kathleen Turner overdrive? Well, I don't want to limit your choices, your ability to support us, but I will give you some suggestions. So you could go to the Patreon and join these other fantastic people that do support us monetarily. But you can also leave likes, you can leave reviews, you can interact with us, you can subscribe in all the relevant places and things that everybody's so familiar with these days. You can also buy some merchandise at trebster.com. It's just a a link to uh, uh, T Public, but it features all of my artwork that uh, you may or may not enjoy. But you know, for those of you that do enjoy it, that's where you would get it. And um, yeah, that's I think that's about everything. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been a, a fun one. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know that Mrs. Doubtfire would be the movie that would set me off like this, but <laughs> it was, and I I really had a good time. Thank you, Dan. And Dan, you're welcome. Oh, Daniel's yeah. muted. You're muted, Daniel. You're talking. <laughs> Thanks for bringing the fire, everyone. We'll be back next week for Heat with Mike C. And uh, you can find this on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. We'll see you guys all next week, and I'll say goodnight from last night. <laughs>